This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Thank you for the appreciative opening applause. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Um, yay. So thank you so much for coming to our panel about kids' podcast research. Before we get started, who here has listened to a kids' podcast? Oh, great. Right, pretty much 100%. Uh, who here makes kids' podcasts? A lot of oh, overlap there. 50%. And who here is just curious about kids' podcasts? It's a trick question. It should be everybody. Everybody raise your hand. Yes. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so we are, I'm Lindsay Patterson. I'm the CEO of Tumble Media, which is a children's educational audio company. And I'm also the co-founder of Kids Listen, which is a nonprofit advocating for kids' podcasts. Yeah, and I'm Sarah Robertson Lentz. I'm a partner with Tumble Media and the COO, and I'm also the lead on a new uh, STEM podcast research project that we'll be talking about at the end of this presentation. Great. So, how did we get started? Why are we here talking about kids' podcasts? Well, it you know it's an origin story that I think maybe people who make podcasts in here I don't know I don't want to speak for you. We kind of came to it when we had our own kids. Um, I was pregnant. Lindsay had just had her first son, and she came to me and was like, "What about podcasts for kids? Have you ever thought about podcasts for kids?" And I said, "No, I have not." And I asked her, "Are there podcasts for kids?" And we sort of sent us, you know, we both have a background in uh, science journalism, public radio, into sort of an investigation of are there podcasts for kids? And this was in 2015, and at the time there just really weren't very many, if any at all. Yeah, and so like the questions that Sarah asked me were very common. And then the third question that I would always get asked is, will kids listen to podcasts? You know, like people were used to talking about games, YouTube, you know, everything. Kids engage with the screen. Kids love screens. Like how could they possibly be engaged by something that doesn't, you know, have pictures? And, you know, it didn't make sense to me that storytelling would be sort of like the most enduring form, you know, like sitting around listening to a story um, is one of the most enduring forms of like how we pass stories down through generations and how could kids not be engaged by just audio. But we sort of had to prove that. So I was also, started writing about this question as like a way to sort of get paid to, <laughs> to engage with it. So I wrote this article about why aren't there podcasts for kids for Current, which is the public uh, media trade magazine, hence the focus on, on public media. And what I found was just that there wasn't any data behind it. So when there were uh, radio shows for kids, you know, when the public radio stations would have someone from the outside come in and examine their budgets, they're like, why are you making this show that nobody's listening to because we don't see any audience under the age of 12. Yet, 
we've all had the experience of sitting in the back seat of our parents' car, listening to radio, listening to whatever our parents were listening to, listening to whatever we demanded that we wanted to listen to, and having that be very influential on the way that we grew up um, in the way that we thought about audio. Yeah, so I think it really, like Lindsay's saying, all came down to a really fundamental question, right, that we needed data on, which is, are kids listening? Um, and we can share a little bit of that information of what we know now about kids listening and a little bit about what we think we need to know more about. Yeah, so to sort of start off with um, like the data that we have right now, um, this is one of the best sort of public data points from the NPR and Edison Research Spoken Word Audio Survey is that Children's podcast topics are among the fastest growing since 2019. And another thing um, that we've seen through our own audience and is sort of generally um, acknowledged through kids podcasters is that we had a giant spike in listenership in March 2020 when parents were very desperate to find alternatives to screen time for their kids stuck at home. Um, and then when you, but when you look at sort of the groups, like the youth group for um, Edison Research, it's ages 12 through 34 kind of all bumped together. So it's been really hard to decipher those youth listening trends because obviously we know that uh, 12 year olds interests are going to be very different from a 34 year olds interest and also have very different ways of listening to kids' podcasts. Um, but if you went to the Edison Research uh, keynote the other day, they just released findings that they'd um, discovered that parents are 48% of weekly podcast listeners. And of those, three out of 10 reported having already listened to a kid's podcast. So there's a substantial audience there and also a huge potential for growth among current uh, podcast listeners, not to speak of like opportunities to grow this audience in other ways. Yeah. So Kids Listen, as I mentioned, I'm a co-founder and one of the reasons that, one of the big reasons we came together to make this um, community of podcasters was to put data behind the audiences that we knew were deeply engaged listeners and were a valuable audience that had been truly neglected throughout sort of the history of at least the public radio tradition here in the US. Um, so back in 2015, 2016, uh, all of the podcasts that we sort of like knew about got together and we surveyed our audience to try to find out how they were actually listening to podcasts. And this was our first question and our first like really powerful uh, finding, which is that 80% of kids who listen to podcasts listen to the same episode more than once. And of those 80%, 20% are listening 10 or more times. And so that was just really, really mind opening for us. And it was also like a duh moment where if you think about like how kids 
uh, read books, how they watch movies. Like, they have their favorite thing, they listen over and over and over, and they don't get sick of it. So podcasts are the same thing, and it shows us that kids are engaging with the audio medium in just the same ways that they're engaging in other mediums. And so I think one of the big questions we had going into the survey is that, okay, they, maybe they're listening, but if they're listening, are they really paying attention? Right? I mean, you can have something on, again, like in the car, like is your kid really listening? Or are they drawing on the back of the seat? There's a lot of questions there, and I think the survey proved that um, you know, kids were really engaged listeners. Yeah, and I think that's always been like a big question for people outside of kids podcasting is like, kids are too young to interact um, with podcasts in the same way that adults do. They're not going to mention it on social media because they're not allowed to have, you know, these accounts. So like, how will we know that kids are engaging in podcasts? And I think it means that we have to think more broadly about how we define engagement when it comes to kids' podcasts and to see that kids are very, very highly engaged. And what we found is that kids listen and then they do. They have conversations. They want to share what they know. They want to ask more questions. They want to find out more. And um, they want to you know, plan activities around engaging more deeply in these subjects. Like we got emails about kids listening to an episode that we did about undersea explorers, and then, you know, all of a sudden, like, they're playing undersea explorers at home. Um, so, and then there's, you know, 26% is still, you know, interacting directly with the hosts, um, but I think we have to think about uh, podcast engagement very broadly, and that also goes into, like, designing your episodes and and thinking about how kids are engaging. And so for our second study, we got a little bit more professional. This is in information collected in 2019, and we broke things down more by demographics. And so in this slide, you can see that the sort of the most popular ages for podcast listenership at that time is like between five and 12. And then we also went into racial backgrounds and you know all the other like sort of um, typical demographics. So, and what we saw was that podcast audiences in 2019 were you know overwhelmingly white, well educated, higher income, and this very much tracks with sort of like the development of adult podcasts as well. And what we think that we'll see in our next survey, which we're running now, is like more diversity of audiences that's come with increased diversity in content. Um, if you want, there was a great diversity yeah, panel, it was a really great panel earlier, earlier today. today. And Anthony Frazier from ABF Creative brought up that in the Black Listener Report from Edison Research, they found that you know listeners want to hear black voices, they want to see, you know, hear black stories, and then we'll be more, um, you know, more open to kids and family content. So we've seen a lot of great diversification over the time since we collected this information, and so we're really expecting to see more diversity in the audience yeah. in our next report. Just needs to keep growing like all podcasts, really. <laughs> yes. 
Um, so why do families like listening to podcasts? Why do they come to them? Again, it's because they're similarly to other mediums, they're fun and entertaining. So this is not a factor of like, you know, the parents having to say like, you know, you need screen free entertainment, like take this like good for you audio uh, medium. Like kids just really enjoy listening. Yeah, and I think for the people in the room who are also creators, I think that's something really important to think about, right? Like you're not just creating the podcast for the parents that might put it on, you're creating it for the kids. And I think this is just a really, again, intuitive statistic, <laughs> but one that's really important when you're thinking about what kind of content you're gonna make or pitch um, if you want it to get, gain an audience. Yeah. And so what do kids do while listening? This is a very exciting result as well. They are just listening, overwhelmingly, fully focused on audio. A lot of times we talk about, you know, people are able to do, you know, not being tied to a screen allows you to do different things, to kind of multitask, to do drawings, you know, to do um, like chores. But I've seen this in my own home. I have an eight-year-old and when I turn on a podcast for him that he really loves. He just sits on the couch and he listens. <laughs> and like he doesn't ask to be entertained in any other way. And I feel like this was a really big slam dunk because when we started talking about this, literally everybody came back with, yeah, but do kids really listen? Like, are they really gonna sit there? You know, no one wanted to invest in it. No one wanted to really talk to us about it originally, and here we are on a stage now, so that's very exciting. Um, but the fact that it was so overwhelming that so many kids do have the capacity to sit and listen um, yeah, is, we is really give them exciting. More, more credit for kids. More credit for kids, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so what are parents doing during this time? They are also listening with kids. Um, and so that co-listening is an incredibly powerful behavior. Um, when you think about the ability to capture an entire family within the content. Like, if you think about how kids watch YouTube, how they watch movies, most of the time they're engaging with those mediums just on their own. They've got their headphones on, you know. Their but, tablet. Yeah, but with, um, with podcasts, like, both uh, parents and kids are engaging with the content, and then that leads to conversation, activity, um, in so, so many ways to really deeply impact and the family. And we, we've really found that like as creators too with our science podcasts, integrating some of that into your content also is really great, like prompts and questions to encourage the kids to talk with the adult that might be with them. Um, that kind of stuff is important to think about when you're looking at these statistics. And I also think from a marketing perspective, um, you know, you're not just reaching a young audience, you're reaching their whole family. And I think that's a, a big plus for kids' yeah. podcasts that gets overlooked sometimes. It comes in with advertising as you're well. Usually getting at least two for one on the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> and so how do families find out about new podcasts? We have a huge discoverability issue in kids' podcasting. Um, it's just really hard to surface good content and when you're making stuff to get that in front of, in front of eyes and ears. Um, so word of mouth is like still reigning king here. Um, recommendations from other podcasts, recommendations from a friend, like even. 
So, and that also shows us like sort of the relationship that a host is able to build with the audience that it's equal uh, in influence to people that they know in real life. Yeah. Or on the internet. <laughs> we all know where we're getting podcast recommendations from. <laughs> um, so, and I really love this, uh, this chart in particular because it shows sort of how podcasts can potentially fit into kids' actual routines. We see spikes at um, in the morning when they're getting ready for school on their school commute, when they're at home getting ready for bed and before bedtime. So when you're thinking about creating content for kids, you know, it's a factor of like, when are they listening, where are they listening, and like, what do they want? to listen to, yeah. um, but I think, you know, families are creatures of habits, and it also, like, podcasts can help them. Like, we made a podcast called Yoga Kids Adventure that's really structured around, you know, different meditative um, uh, moments for different times of the day. Yep. Okay, so key takeaways, uh, we're educators at heart, so we like to give everybody the, the cliff notes. So uh, kids are deeply engaged with podcasts, um, really deeply engaged. They're not just listening while doing spreadsheets uh, like I did when I got into podcasts. Um, kids listen you know, with their families, so you're getting a lot of audience there that um, is not just maybe your direct audience, so it's important to keep that in mind. And then podcasts spark a lot of conversation, they spark a lot of activity. Uh, that's really promising for, for things you can do as additional content to go with your podcast, as well as prompts that you build into your content. And most importantly, that the kids' podcast space is growing, and it's growing a lot. So there's a lot of room for new content, for new audiences, and for new creators. And so we, the Kids Listen surveys focus on informal environments and families, but something we're really excited is the potential for podcasts in education. And the surface of that research has not been scratched, but we're about to scratch that. Yeah, so it's exciting. So we are, um, well, let's, we're about to embark in the first like formal uh, scientific study of kids uh, observing podcasts in the classroom and, and what does that mean? And we can talk a little bit about what we know now before going into that study, because the study just is starting uh, this year. But we know that um, like in the, in the family, like one listen usually is probably gonna mean more than one listen, but in a classroom, actually, it could mean up to 25. So I think that's something to be thinking about when you're seeing your metrics and thinking about where your podcast might be playing, that you could actually be getting a lot more listens than what's actually being recorded in your RSS feed data. Um, we know uh, that there's a strong connection between listening and literacy. Yeah. Basically, especially focusing on elementary school students, there is an established connection between reading and the skill of listening. So when you're listening, you're hearing more advanced vocabulary than you're able to read. And so that increases comprehension as you go up to more difficult levels of reading. And if you're interested in learning more about that, there's a really great book uh, that Lindsay just finished reading and shared a ton of statistics with me <laughs> from. Yeah, it's from um, Monica Brady-Meyeroff. She's Are, are you in conference. the room, Monica? Yeah, oh, there she is. She's in the Hi. back. 
<laughs> so if you want to learn much more about the power of listening as, in education, read that book. Yeah, and literacy especially. Um, so we also know that teachers are using podcasts in the classroom creatively. We get a lot of submissions you know, to our email inbox from teachers who are just super excited to share what their kids have done in the classroom with their podcast. We've had super fans have built like full like semester long lesson plans around it and YouTube activities and all of these things. Um, so really it's like great content for teachers. They're so excited that's more than what they're getting in their textbooks to do something in their classroom that can engage students in an unexpected way. Um, so that's really fun and, and that's really exciting. So what do we hope to learn? Well, so we recently um, were awarded amongst with a group of uh, researchers a $1 million National Science Foundation grant to explore a lot of these questions um, that we're about to talk about. So we're really looking to know more about what are the exact learning outcomes? So if a classroom is using a podcast, is it more than just entertainment? Are they actually receiving knowledge from that? Can that be measured? We want to know not just how can teachers use it creatively, but how can it be effective in supporting learning outcomes. And we want to know um, how can we get that information into the teacher's hands. And I think we get a lot of requests for, okay, what should I do with these podcasts? And we can give our best guess, but we want to have you know, some data-driven answers for teachers of how they can make podcasts a part of their classroom. And then we're also really going to be exploring how podcast storytelling can support diversity and inclusion. And particularly with our podcast in this study, we'll be focusing on disabled scientists and blind and visually impaired scientists and showing how hopefully representation in the podcast in the classroom can change sentiment not only in the teacher, not only in the students, but in the teachers. Um, about you know what's possible for their future. Yeah, sort of attitudes of capabilities. Uh, so this is a list of our amazing partners uh, that we're so excited to be working with. Um, again, we're going to be, you can go past the one I already talked about. <laughs> um, so yeah, so in addition to doing representation work and analysis with um, our partners at the Oregon State University STEM Research Center, we're also going to be looking at, as a actual tool, whether or not podcasts are useful for blind and visually impaired as well as sighted students. I think, again, intuitively, we think that it'd be a great medium for someone who is blind or visually impaired, but we don't know that. And I think what we're learning from working with one of our partners there, Independent Science, it's an organization of blind and visually impaired scientists that work all around this issue, is that not only are um, you know, visuals possibly not accessible, but the language we use ourselves to describe things that are visual is not accessible. So particularly around science, we want to be bringing in um, some information for people who want to bring podcasts in the classroom of how you can talk about subjects in a way that is accessible for everybody and not just uh, the sighted world. And um, I think we believe that this is, I think we've been calling it a little bit of a two for one, hopefully. We're gonna be focusing specifically on blind and visually impaired students, but we also have to have some control groups around sighted students, and I think Hopefully between that we can see how this applies in 
both groups and also maybe can talk about representation in general. Like if a group is seeing people that are different from themselves represented in storytelling, how does that impact their view about those people's potential futures? And I think that's a very exciting thing that, you know, why we really got into this is to um, not necessarily inspire students or listeners to be scientists themselves, but to feel like anyone can be a part of the scientific world is a mission for us. And so focusing on representation is something we're really excited to be doing. Yeah, so in the end outcome of this, we will have you know published research on uh, podcasts in the classroom, and we'll also be creating sort of a portal that any teacher can access with a curriculum that is truly accessible and that will, you know, include Tumble Science Podcast for Kids episodes and also instructions about how to make a podcast using Tumble as a model. You know, I think the key takeaway from this and what we're hoping is it's been an uphill battle for kids podcasting, I think, and now it's starting to catch wind. And I think like numbers are just something people really love. And we can say and things need. <laughs> and yeah. need, yeah. I mean, we can say things all day long, but the more research projects we can get involved in the space, the better it's going to be for the space at large. Um, and so we're really excited to have this opportunity. And we're hoping after you know the three years of collecting these numbers that we'll have more than we could have ever dreamed about. <laughs> yeah, and that will just sort of like open the understanding of uh, podcasts in educational spaces, which is a very unique opportunity for kids' podcasts. Yeah. Um, somewhere we can go and, you know, impact kids, impact teachers in a way that, you know, adult podcasts can't, and that it truly shows the power of kids' content to influence future generations in a positive way. I'll say one other thing we will also be doing as part of this study is engaging in um, teaching kids how to make podcasts themselves and looking into the tools around that. Um, Independent Science will be evaluating podcast uh, making software to check its accessibility, which is really interesting, and then we'll be providing a lot of documentation for teachers who want to integrate making podcasts into their classroom as well and how very empowering, you know, future generations of storytellers. Yeah. And so sort of in conclusion, you know, this, this data was sort of, the project was begun just to, you know, prove that there's an audience, to prove that there's listeners. But like, the more and more that we've got into it, it's become clear that understanding how kids and families listen to podcasts and how that's different from the adult space is really key to making great content and reaching audiences in the way that we want to. Yeah, we really believe it's apples to oranges. You know, the metrics that are used to evaluate the adult podcast space is just not really the same. Um, but yet right now we have like a one size fits all uh, benchmark and metric and we really want to start creating a little bit more, you know, granular understanding. Yeah. I mean, it's really at an educational phase now. Um, I'm sure that many of you who currently make kids' podcasts understand like how much you have to sort of explain to get people up to like the understanding of, of what you do. And so I think it's more and more of like the awareness of kids' podcasts is spread and that there's more and more data, like it, you'll have to do less explaining about it. <laughs> um, and so with that, we'd love to take some of your questions. There'll be a mic passed around. 
I'm so glad there's questions. <laughs> it's always my fear that I say that and then we just sit here for silence for 10 minutes. That's awesome. Hey, everyone. Um, my name is Joanna Smith. Thank you all so much. To give them a round of applause. This is Aww, really, really yeah. amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so um, I am really excited about this space. So I'm an engineer. Um, and my not-for-profit organization that I'm working on, or that I have right now, it's called Daily Smith STEM. And what we do is we expose students um, to STEM through roller skating and math, uh, coding through physics, um, and also Python uh, for music, and financial literacy and mathematics. Awesome. Um, so we are in the New York area. We're really working with uh, students within the, um, all the different boroughs. Um, and I'd love to speak with you all a little bit more about how you're using the research that you have um, to evaluate different students from different demographics and um, how podcasting is working through uh, the STEM field and program. So um, that's really my goal right now, um, to blend music and math and kind of create the podcast where students are speaking. We've actually already started it uh, from our STEM camp. Um, students are speaking about how the coding um, worked alongside their understanding um, and how it's kind of fostered uh, their love for math and science now, um, where before they were really nervous and um, usually students of color coming into um, engineering spaces, um, at times they didn't necessarily get the full uh, spectrum growing up. And so we focus on kids ages four to 15. Um, okay. And so I just really look forward to speaking with you all and I'd like to know a little bit more about like are the podcasts for kids, by kids? Are they also um, like adults speaking on uh, STEM things that are exciting and fun to them? Are you guys incorporating music, you know, maybe five minutes, two minutes? How long are the sec, you know, the sections and things like that? Yeah. That was a lot, sorry. It was a lot. So well, I caught some of the questions. So first, yes, we'd love to talk. And I think the third member of Trumbull who's not here, uh, Lindsay's husband, Marshall, is actually very into music theory and would be very excited to hear and about that. your podcast. Um, I, I think so the question at the end was, is there a good length for podcasts for kids? And then I also heard, um, that was the one that caught in my head and then I just forgot. Yeah. Okay. So with the length and um, students making podcasts. So in our first study, we found that 15 minutes is kind of the ideal length. But I, I think that there's a huge caveat that there's a lot of flexibility, just like in podcasts for adults. Um, yeah, I think it, that graph about the time of day is really useful because it's thinking again about like how does it fit into their lives. Um, so those times tend to peak with like a lot of commute times for parents, right? Like taking kids to school, picking them up, wake up in the morning, bedtime, routine-based stuff. That doesn't mean the content needs to be routine-based, but thinking about the length there. So we've found for us a sweet spot is about 15 minutes because that's about how long it takes to either get somewhere like make your kids sit down while you put on your clothes. Um, but there's so, very successful podcasts yeah. that are 30 minutes and above, but I do think that there, you know, you can't make a three hour podcast of just someone talking <laughs> and expect them Unless it's a sleep time listen. podcast and then there might be a market for that. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah, I thank you for bringing up um, kids making podcasts. Um, we, as a production company, we don't do that, but 
Uh, we, there are so many great podcasts that are done by kids, done by um, parents and kids together. Um, some of the pioneering stuff we've seen in the education space is sort of like clubs that come together to make an after school podcast. And that's something we're very much working on in as part of that grant that we mentioned. Yeah, and I think it's a growing part of the space. I think as kids get more excited about it, they want to get involved with it. And um, I've had a couple of kids send us, you know, podcasts they're making based on our show, and they're like, want to get into it. So that's very exciting. I think in terms of numbers, I don't really know any, but I'm hoping yeah. that the study that we're going to be doing, one of the goals is to be looking at. Um, what is the impact of kids being their own voice in the podcast? So we're hoping at the end of these three years we'll have more data around that. Um, but I don't have anything I can share right now. But it's a great thing to be thinking about. Yeah, let's take another question. All right. Hi, my name is Brian Tanner. Um, I'm the producer of a show called The Appleseed. It's a storytelling show for parents and kids to listen to together. And first off, I just wanted to, I, I'm blown away. Blown away, loved it, loved it. Like so many of the aims that we have on the show, uh, you know, trying to get parents and kids to engage together and and listen and have discussions afterwards, we just cross our fingers and like hope that's happening. You know, so so putting the research to show that, that this is happening is, is huge for me. Really, really, really big. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Getting to it, but just kind of a definitional thing. What what are you? What's the definition of kids in all of those? Like what age yeah. ranges? Or yeah, I'd say it, it's pretty broad. I think our sample in the Kids Listen survey, you know, could go up to teenagers, like thirteen. Minors um, in general, I guess. Yeah, if you look, go back to that slide. But I think we went we went up to like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, we're particularly uh, focused, I think, more just within Tumble Media on um, upper elementary students right now. Uh, but I think there's a lot of stuff happening in the tween space and the teen space. I think overall, right now, again, like everything's kind of being lumped together, right? Yeah. And I think that period in your life where you're, you know, 18 and under, it's like even a half year really matters to some of those kids in terms of who they are and their identity. So I think um, getting more metrics that are more granular for the yeah. age groups would, would be great. Yes, especially like understanding like what is the cutoff point or the cliff between like people who are, when kids are youth, are willing to <laughs> listen to, uh, you know, something labeled for kids and when they want to listen to adult content. Right. Uh, two. two. Yeah. I, this is my own test of my own children, but they both began showing signs they were engaged around two and a half. Yeah. Lindsay, thanks for mentioning my book, Listen Wise. If you're interested in learning more about how listening and reading <laughs> connect, listening and language learning, all of that. Um, I was a public radio reporter for many years, and I started a company called Listen Wise, too, that helps get podcasts in education. So if any of you are making podcasts, for youth, come and see me, and I'd love to listen to them. But I wanted to hear from you, Lindsay, how, uh, what's your advice on creating for kids, because your Tumble Science Podcast for Kids is amazing. You've been doing it for many years. How did it evolve, and sort of what are the things you learned from your listeners about what works well for kids? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a big question and could probably go on <laughs> its own panel. But, you know, <coughs> <coughs> 
was like, I didn't bring my water after all. <laughs> you, you choked her up. <laughs> I, will, I will start with that one a little bit that, um, you know, I always joke that we, when you're in public radio, you're usually producing for a fifth grade literacy level anyways, even for adults. So it wasn't a huge jump. Uh, to be producing for kids, honestly. I think it's more of just the topics, um, the way in which you're talking to them, again, length. Like, uh, you're not producing an hour-long podcast, you're producing a 15, um, thinking about how it fits into their lives more than um, the subject. I, I think we really believe in respecting our listeners, and I think kids can have, car like, hard conversations, they can have complicated conversations, um, so it doesn't need to just be all poop jokes, although we do have a lot of poop jokes. We have a lot of success with our poop related <laughs> episodes. I will say that is a high high topic. Poop and animals. Yeah. Are well I mean, loved. There's there's so <laughs> many learning that I think like the number one thing is about, you know, making something that can appeal to both parents and kids because it depends on the age range, but mm -hmm. parents really have to buy into listening to something because they're going to be listening along. Um, and so we try to speak to both sides, you know, always kid appropriate humor, but like maybe some references that like speak to the adults that like they can kind of laugh at. And yeah, music and voices that aren't like too high pitched. Um. <laughs> Watch it, Sarah. Watch it, Sarah. <laughs> That's my personal preference. I mean, <laughs> um, nobody tweet about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, you know, making a show that has broad appeal that the whole family can listen to. And like, you know, as Sarah was talking about our topics, it's like you, we, for the science show we do, uh, you know, stuff that will, we know is just like a slam dunk with kids, like dinosaur poop, like would be one. Um, but we also are working on a series about synthetic biology, which is something that kids would never be like, oh yeah, synthetic biology, but mm -hmm. is so important mm -hmm. to learn about, like as this technology is going to shape our future and finding ways to engage kids where they're at um, to learn about something that is very complex yeah. and be able to like participate in thinking about that. Yeah. And I'd say, you know, particularly Monica, we've talked about like how it works within the ListenWise platform, but um, this would just, the editor and me, I edit the show and that's a passion of mine is constantly cutting down the content that's in something. I think we have an explainer show. You know, we go over a lot of complicated stuff. You don't want to make your listeners work too hard. And I think especially with kids, like give your ideas time to breathe. Um, give them time to reflect. Give them time to potentially interact. Giving some space um, really is going to make your content stronger. If it's too fast paced, you're going to lose them. Um, and I think, you know, you don't want to be slow, but like, you know, breathe, like ha have some space. And I think that's true for adult content, honestly, too. Yeah. Uh, I think we have time for like one more question. And Maybe I think two. We can go fast. over a little yeah. bit. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, I have several podcasts, and you know, just like for normal, you know, adults, young people. But um, I, I have explored the option. I'm very interested in starting like a children's show. But the things that make me hesitate is the monetization and the incentive. Mm. Um, are new options being explored now for that? Like, you know, agencies on board, marketplaces on board for anything like this, or? 
What's happening? That's a great question. Yeah, that's definitely like the golden question. Uh, the golden wanna, egg. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a real puzzle right now. Um, many kids' shows are monetized, but we feel that they could be monetized better. Okay. Um, so, you know, like, we are able to work on this full time, but there's got to be many revenue streams because I think that the, um, the marketplace for kids' podcasts is just not very well developed. There's not a lot of education. Like, for example, um, advertisers don't really understand that one listen could mean, it means more than that. And how kids interact with the podcasts and the ads, um, because, you know, they think, oh, or, you know, adults have the buying power, but if only kids are listening, like, how are they going to buy stuff? It's like, uh, do you remember uh, asking your parents to buy you things? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember, like, how persistent and influential you have been on your family's buying decisions? Yeah. And it's the same for, for podcasts. Yeah, I'd say, I'd, I'd say that's all true, and I think again, it's such an emerging space, you know, with exciting growth that the bigger it gets, the audience will get bigger and the marketplace will respond to that. I mean, the, the CPMs and the benchmarks, again, are one size fit all right now. I am constantly talking to people about uh, how that's not fair <laughs> and uh, trying to change the needle on that, but it's, um, it's an uphill battle. Uh, I do think with kids' podcasts, if you have a mission-driven show, there are other avenues for funding. I mean, there's grants, there's uh, partnerships, there's things that you can go after in a way that I don't know if adult podcasts have as much flexibility. So there's something there too, like, you know, it'd be my dream for our show not to necessarily have ads if we could make it free for everybody and do that. But, um, you know, it's also, it's important for the numbers to grow for there be people who can support themselves off the ads as well, so. Yeah, I think it's just creative thinking at this stage. Do we have time for more questions? I'm just curious if, um, thank you guys, this was great and I am a huge fan of Tumble. Um, I'm curious if there's stuff that you would love to see in the children's podcast space that you're not seeing and that you hope to see in the future. Yeah. Do you mean in terms of content? In terms of content or in terms of also partnerships? Mm. That's a fun question. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's lots of things that I would like to see and that we would like to see. I think that there's just a lot of white space in terms of uh, content, in terms of like fitting into kids' routines, in terms of covering subjects in schools. Um, you know, a lot of teachers are just like, is there a podcast about this? And like, no. <laughs> so I think it's really like listening to what uh, teachers want and, you know, we really want to be able to cover all of that. Yeah, I think, you know, we're a nonfiction show, but I'm super inspired by the potential of, you know, scripted fiction for kids. I think it's a no-brainer, right? I mean, you've got the most amazing kids' books and, um, you know, young adult fiction out there. I think sometimes I prefer, personally, young adult fiction over adult fiction a lot of the time. So I think that could make itself 
into the podcast space, that'd be super exciting. Um, you know, just like you have uh, Netflix provides, or streaming services in general, provide a lot more hour time to a story, podcasts and do that as well. And I think that's a really exciting for creative people to be able to get into that. So I'm excited to see authors getting into podcasts a little bit more. Um, I also am really excited to see the diversity of voices, the diversity of uh, languages that could get into podcasts. We also do our show in a Spanish adaptation. Um, I think there's a lot of global growth that could happen for kids' podcasts um, that would be really exciting. Yeah, and we'd like to see more money and bigger budgets. That's all. Oh, yes, that too. <laughs> all right. Uh, we've got more time on the clock, so I yeah. think that means we have another question. Yeah. yeah. And are you a podcast creator, or what's yeah. your what's your podcast? Okay. Yes, and so just to restate, because you didn't have a microphone, for the streaming audiences, um, Mr. Jim of Kids Short Stories said that uh, lots of improvement in monetization and ad selling for kids' podcasts, and any recommendations around, sorry, I'm blanking. Research on <laughs> research where they're getting the yeah, content. Like, are they streaming it on their phone? Are they getting it in the car, tablet? Yes. Or is there data on that? Yes, it's a great question. We did a lot of that in the second Kids Listen survey, and I should mention that both uh, Kids Listen surveys are available in full on kidslisten.org. You can download the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it's mostly on phones and tablets, and I think that's a big, you know, sort of gap there too. Like a lot of uh, people could be hesitant to give their kid their own phone. Uh, You're brave. I certainly am. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it is at the same time, like, you're not able to use your phone or device. Um, yes, yeah. it's a painful experience to, to hand over your, your third arm, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's... I don't have that information on top of my head, but go look on the Kids uh, Listen Second Podcast, and I'll end with a promo for what's to come besides our grant, our three-year grant we're working on. We're going to be presenting the results of our third survey at the Kids Screen Conference in, um, in February. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, we have zero minutes and seconds on the clock. So yeah, I think that's so thank you everyone the curtain for coming. closing. Thank you guys.